ask the Lord's blessing on the Word. Dear Lord God, we are grateful for all the good things you give us and for these little adventures. We'd ask that you would give us great grace. The rest of the world who's in a state, we'd ask that our peace would be coming from you and standing in your wisdom. And we'd love to gain some of that this morning from the scriptures. Bless the saints in your son's name. Amen. We are in... uh, because this passage sprang right to mind when things started going, uh, you might say that the, the state started becoming invasive and into uh, things like where you could eat and where you could go and how many people you could hang out with and so forth. My mind immediately went to Daniel 6. And so I've been thinking about Daniel 6 for a number of days now. Um, but it's not to try to analyze a Christian's response to the state when the state, you know, infringes on your spiritual religious decisions. Because an awful lot of people want to know in any authority relationship, when do I not have to do what they say? And Daniel 6 is a situation where Daniel doesn't do what they say. Daniel 6 begins in verse 1. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom and over them three presidents of whom Daniel was one to whom these satraps should give account so that the king might suffer no loss. Now, a little background. This is chapter 5 is the handwriting on the wall. Uh, The sub-king over Babylon was Belshazzar who was the son of Nabonidus, the last of the Neo, uh, uh, Neo-Babylonians. And the Medes and the Persians had invaded. And Cyrus the Great, the Persian, had won the war against uh, Babylon and had set this gentleman, Darius the Mede, uh, over the immediate province of Babylon, which is part of now of a major empire. This is not the Darius you learn of in other circumstances. Darius I, the Great, comes later. He is a Persian. He's not a Mede. This is a Mede. So this might, we don't have any record of this guy in um, uh, extra-biblical history by this name. There's a few people. It might be. There was a Gorbrius. There was a Syaxares, the last of the Median kings. He is a regional sub-king under Cyrus. Now, the other aspect of this time frame is that Daniel himself is probably in his 80s, maybe 90s. If he was taken into captivity as a teenager, so let's say 15, um, as one of the royal family in 605 BC, this is now 70 years later. Okay, so 85 Likely, if he was any older than 15, he was that much older. So he's, at the end of his days, um, I think, I forget who did the great painting of this scene. Um, Daniel and the lion's den. Because that's the passage. We're dealing with Daniel and the lion's den. Now this Daniel became distinguished above all the other presidents and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. 
And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Then the presidents and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom, but they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful, and no error or fault was found in him. Now, what I want you to know is that the world, there are some times when the forces of darkness are so arrayed against the Lord and his anointed that they actually go after the Christians for being Christians. But an awful lot of persecution was a misunderstanding, an overreach of political power that was trying to serve a task, uh, whether separately, morally or immoral, and it just ended up that the Christians got ground up in the gears. The problem with the Romans, when you had persecution, is because they, they wouldn't salute the flag. Okay? You know how everybody's going to stand up and say, I pledge allegiance to the flag. Well, in Rome, the saluting of the flag was burning incense to the genius of Caesar. That was just a bridge too far for the Christians, you know, because it was offering incense or sacrifice to another agent as a god. And uh, the, the Romans just couldn't understand. Well, you can worship Jesus all you want, but just salute the dang flag. And they said no, so they died. <coughs> The problem here in Babylon is, is power. All these other satraps and the two other presidents are a little annoyed that somebody else is moving to the head of the pack. No one ever likes that. We, we covered it a few weeks ago in church when we were talking about um, bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. Where these abound, there will be disorder in every vile practice. Um, these guys probably could be pretty talented themselves. Two other presidents, 120 satraps, go, oh, this guy is getting ahead of us. we got to take him out. Typical politics. It wasn't, this guy's a Jew. We hate Jews. And that wasn't it. This guy's winning. We hate the other guy when he wins. It's bitter jealousy. Their own selfish ambition. It would have happened to any of them if they had pulled ahead of the pack. They would have been set up. They would have been undercut. But usually, when you seek to undercut somebody in politics, it doesn't take what they call, the oppo research is generally working in gold mines because these are all people that have had power, money, privilege, and opportunity to do all sorts of bad things. So in a political campaign, <coughs> which I believe we are undergoing one now. Um, there's a lot of dirt. You just turn one rock over after another and it crawls out and there you have it. And you just release it in a news story or in a, in a commercial and, and destroy somebody's life. The problem with Daniel was he wasn't that sort of person. I bolded a few things here, up here in the first paragraph, because an excellent spirit was in him. That doesn't define what it is. He was described in the last chapter that way. Uh, I have it here in Daniel 6. Uh, oh, that's not the right. Uh, that's actually Daniel 5. For some reason it says 6. The queen 
because of the words of the king and his lords, came into the banqueting hall, and the queen said, O king, live forever. Let not your thoughts alarm you, or your color change. There is in your kingdom a man in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. In the days of your father, light and understanding and wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods, were found in him. And King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, made him chief of the magicians, enchanters, Chaldeans, and astrologers, because an excellent spirit, knowledge, and understanding to interpret dreams, explain riddles, and solve problems were found in this Daniel, whom the king named Belteshazzar. Now let Daniel be called, and he will show the interpretation. That was in the previous chapter. That was the night of the handwriting on the wall. He had already, amongst the mystics, under the magicians, under the soothsayer category of person, become pretty important. He had been important as an advisor to Nebuchadnezzar. And he had a reputation. And that's why he was called back in. And that's why he's standing at the front of the pack when Babylon falls to the Persians. Here are all these local Babylonian advisors that they stack the government with, and Daniel's one of them. What I want us to consider is not how do we go up against the state when the state makes rules about the church and says you can't meet with more than ten people or something and we have to... And we've been into a number of discussions in recent days about what is the Christian response to such an edict. Well, I think we're a little bit less of that in the passage and a little bit more of the description of what someone who you can trust to do the right thing is like. He was already, after a long career, an established resume of an excellent spirit, knowledge, understanding, interpreter of dreams, explaining of riddles, solve problems. He was that guy. And he was so good at this new system of the presidents and the satraps, they were going to make him in charge of everything. Because there was no ground, verse 4, no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. Now this is where religion steps in. Just measuring his professionalism, just measuring what his competence was and the ethics of his performance, they couldn't find anything to smear him with. So we can, we can only, the only thing we do is set him up by his religion. That's the next verse. We shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. Our lives as people in this world are presenting themselves to the rest of the people of this world in a way that we all agree is right. Okay? Um, the Christian, because the knowledge of good and evil exists in every man, the Christian, when he lives in a right way, when he is an excellent spirit, he is being exactly what everybody wants everybody to be. He is that loving. He is that wise. He is that knowledgeable. He is that helpful. And everybody knows that's good. And like with the other satraps and presidents, what really comes down to is they can make a conflict arise only if they address who is being served. Okay, which God is being served? Do I bow down to the genius of Caesar? Do I 
um, bow down to this other god, the Baals, or do I bow down to Yahweh? Because this is where the conflict is. Now, where the conflict can be created. They weren't concerned with drumming Judaic belief systems out of Babylon. They needed a conflict. They weren't going to find it with them being good, wise, circumspect, capable. Then these presidents and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, Oh, King Darius, live forever. It's almost like, mister, you just throw live forever uh, onto the end of it. All the presidents of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the counselors and the governors, are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an interdict. That whoever makes petition to any god or man for thirty days, except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the interdict and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes of the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and the interdict, which all sounded good to everybody present. He is the king. Let's make him, you know, let's just have a little time of him getting the only, only request made of him. All the gods have to be set aside. Um, we all think it's wise. We've got the penalty worked out. Den of lions, or it's a misdemeanor. This sounds more like a felony. Um, um, just for 30 days. I mean, we're just going to try it out. It's not going to really be a denial of rights in the city of Babylon. It's going to be just a temporary setting aside. Yes, you normally have freedom of movement, but no, not this week. Everybody always has these wise things of government. You can't expect that government has an omniscient capability of making wise decisions about everything that they um, it seems like a good idea at the time. It seemed like a good idea to the city that they'd respond to the federal and the state and, 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 and make limitations and they never even thought about churches when the first restriction came down. I think they got a few phone calls. And all of a sudden, after we had made plans, it came out. Oh, we, ah, we didn't. Oh, of course, churches can. We're supposed to be practicing social distancing here. You guys on the couch are already related sort of to each other. It all makes sense. We've got everybody. It's a bipartisan agreement. We not only have the presidents and the satraps, but we have the prefects, the counselors, and the governors. Everybody's, everybody's on board with this. All of Congress, sir. We support this. And it's about you. I mean, everything going right for Jerry is this. Oh, you made, oh, thank you very much. You can only ask things of me for 30 days. I mean, that's not conceded or anything, but... So I think that there's a... Uh, but they know. They know. They said that the verse we just covered before that was unless something comes up with the law of his God... We kind of know that the Christians, or the Jews in this case, are all sticklers about that sort of thing. Let's set something up that doesn't say, knowing that the Jews are sticklers about worshiping anybody else or failing to do their prayers, let's re uh, ban them from doing so. They're not trying to stop the Jewish religion. They're trying to stop Daniel. What I'd like to see happen for you is I'd like to see the world try to stop you. And not because you're a Christian. They might use Christianity, but because 
You've succeeded in life because of your excellence of spirit. You've succeeded in life because there's no complaint that anybody can launch against you. And they've got to take you out. It'd be nice to be martyred for the sake of Jesus. I mean, that's you go down in all the books, in the new Fox's Book of Martyrs, the death of so-and-so, they would not deny Jesus. But it's kind of the same sort of martyrdom when you're up against the sinfulness of man and they want you dead because you're going to get the job they want. And they trump up religious causes to destroy you. Make it difficult for you to say yes to the promotion. Oh yeah, we've just added a new category to the, to the uh, um, uh, employee's handbook. HR has decided that you just have to take a little vow to bail. Just a little vow. Just, it's just a little bit of politeness. We, the owner of the company is a Baal worshiper, and he just wants to make sure that Baal worship is not doesn't fall by the wayside. So you Christians will understand. All you have to do is, is just hat tip to Baal to keep your job. That's all. Of course you don't do it. Of course you don't do it. But realize that they're up to all sorts of different kinds of evil, and it might not have anything to do with antipathy for your religion. They just got to use it. He signed it. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, I like that. I'm glad he put that line in there. When Daniel knew the document had been signed, he's one of the presidents, above all the satraps, he's heard the scuttlebutt in the palace, he knows what's going on. He went to his house, where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. It's like this is as, as if this were set up all the whole time. That the path to what he was going to do and be was already there. He had windows facing Jerusalem because he was one of the notable people in Babylon. He could get the nice real estate. And he said, I'd like an apartment with windows facing Jerusalem. Thank you. And they were open. And he got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God. Key phrase, in red, in bold, as he had done previously. If I try to trump up religion for the moment in my war against the secularists, and the secularists are antagonistic to Christianity, and I get all the more gunslingery about uh, taking on the world and a little bit more pronouncedly Christian, I'm going to be a su suspicious of you. If you're going to be that way, if you're going to take on the name of Jesus Christ more acutely because they're doing this. The one thing I like about the body of believers, at least we're associated with here in Moscow, is you know, they shove you, you end up singing hymns in your living room because you were singing hymns down at your church. Not because, can I remember, I think I've told you this before, when I was young, any slight tickle in the throat was an excuse not to go to church. 
But if you like being with the saints, if you already have excellent spirit, you're already faithful, without fault, without error, and you were already had arranged for your house to have windows facing Jerusalem, have them open so that three times a day you could be up there on your knees before God, thanking him because that's what you are like. And that's what you had done previously. If I'm going to trot out a Christianity that is supposed to look contrary to the world, just like they trumped up the religious question to be contrary to Daniel, we step into the same game if we try to make our Christianity kind of contrary to what they're doing to increase the conflict. If it wasn't what you were already doing, it ain't your religion. We need to be these kind of people. The wonderful thing is, in a free society, and largely we are not pressed this way all the time. It's very slight now. I mean, the fact that they didn't even think of churches in the band, they weren't ever really about that. They weren't trying to shut down religion in Moscow. Most of the time in our lives, we will not be hindered. But whatever you're doing, it ought to be what you're already doing. Now, it should be something remarkable to say, you know, that's the odd thing out. We don't do that stuff. He's doing all these good things, all this capable stuff, and he's a Jew. Always praying towards Jerusalem because of the destruction of the city. He was waiting for the redemption, the return of Israel to Jerusalem. And he was giving thanks as he had done previously. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and supplication before his God. Then they came near and said before the king concerning the interdict, O king, did you not sign the interdict that any man who makes petition to any god or man within thirty days except you, O king, shall be cast into the lives? We just thought we'd bring that up right now, Lord. See if you remember doing this. These are the wordings, casted then alliance. King answered, the thing stands fast according to the law of the Medes of the Persians, which cannot be changed. This is the phrasing that we get the laws regarding women talking in buffet lines and uh, a few other key rules. The law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be changed. And uh, comes from this passage. It cannot be revoked. He says, yeah, I, I, I remember that. When we're, when we're running our own lives, they come up with all sorts of rules. And if somebody is ready to manipulate you, they could get you to think you're making a good rule, remind you that it's a rule, you affirm that it's your rule, and then they spring on you the law of unintended consequences. Oh, we have to kill your favorite dog. And you're looking blankly like a complete, you know, mental defective. Because you didn't know, you weren't omniscient when you made the rules guarding your life. I keep saying it to us all the time, we're not bright enough to run our own lives. Neither are great kings of antiquity with great empires. Because other people can get you to do things that you should not do. Then they answered before the king, that Daniel... Who is one of the exiles from Judah? Pays no heed to you, okay. Or the interdict you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. We knew this was going to be a problem. This is tragic, okay. 
you realize he's ignoring you. Now the king knows he's been had immediately. The king knows the law of unintended consequences. He knows, oh, he didn't has to go, I'll stamp my foot. I didn't realize that Daniel was so bad. No, he says, then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel. And he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. The problem was, all those people who are conservatives right here, when they say Lex Rex, the law is king, that's the way it was for the Medes and the Persians. When the law is king, the king can't come in and go, I don't like that. If it's Rex Lex, sometimes it's good to have it Rex Lex. They could have saved him. He could have said, ah, that was dumb. What did I make that decision for? I'm not a part of your attempt to smear Daniel. You're doing this. This was all a setup for your desire for power. And I've seen the good things in Daniel, so I don't want it to happen. But the law was king. The law could not be revoked. Then these men came by agreement to the king and said to the king, No, O king, that it is a law of the Medes and the Persians, that no interdict or ordinance which the king establishes can be changed. You do know that, right? I mean, these guys are Machiavellian. These guys are really... But remember, it's not any hatred for Judaism. It's hatred for somebody else's success. They weren't even saying he was a bad man. That was the whole problem they had. They couldn't find him being bad. They just didn't like him winning. Selfish ambition, bitter jealousy. Then the king commanded, verse 16, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king said to Daniel, may your God, whom you serve continually, deliver you. It's a great thing that Darius the Mede recognizes in Daniel. It's what I want us to recognize, since it's Daniel, D Darius's recognition, it's stressing this continually in the passage. I mean, there's other things you can get out of it, but the stress is that Daniel had already done this previously. He had served Nebuchadnezzar, he had served Labashi Marduk, uh, Evil Merodach, Nereglisser, and Nabonidus in Babylon, Belshazzar. And he's serving Darius the Mede and Cyrus the Persian. Um, how's it going? What you've done previously? Are you, I mean, none of us can be as great as Daniel just because we want to be. But what our religion is, have we done our religion because it's our religion? Or is it just one of the other things we use positively or negatively to advance our own causes? They were viewing his religion as a way to destroy him. You don't want to see Daniel using his religion as a way to advance him. He was already doing this. And Darius knew, whom you serve continually, deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid upon the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet, and with the signet of his lords, that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace, and spent the night fasting, no diversions were brought to him, and sleep fled from him. Then, at break of day, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. Now, <coughs> some people go, hold it, how come the law of the Medes and the Virgin cannot be changed, but then you can change it? 
Well, mostly because I think the command was it was executed with full opportunity for all the lions to, you know, enjoy Daniel uh, as a meal. And so once they had done that, they had fulfilled the law of the Medes and the Persians. When he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish and said to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? That's why I thought, when I saw this phrase the second time, when back in verse 16, may your God whom you serve continually deliver you, and he comes to the lion's den a day later, your God whom you serve continually, is that the description you are given by your non-Christian friends? Yeah, you serve God continually. You don't play act spiritual actions like prayers one of the worst places for praying is in restaurants. You all know that because when you bow your head to pray and Father says, let's pray over our meal, you go, oh heavens, because the waitress is going to walk up with your food. Just as he goes into a long King James prayer. Some people pray in restaurants so that they will be a good testimony. That's what a way of saying, so I can be seen by men. We're not here to be so. We're supposed to be having our religion because it is what our God expects of us. If he expected you to pray in a restaurant, he actually tells you not to pray on the street corners or in public. Go into your closet. <clears throat> pray there. Because God wants you to know your religion is your religion continuously. Daniel really wasn't out on the street corner with this. He was, hey, I have a nice, nice apartment. Windows facing Jerusalem three times a day, walk back to home, kneel, thank God. Daniel says something that's always interesting. It kind of sounds like uh, the satraps. Okay, live forever. I'm in a lion's den. The guy's bohunkus law got me thrown in here. Because people are not serving their God continually, they're serving their political principles, they take opportunities when they see them to play smash mouth. The, king, you know, just, the king's already sorry, tone of anguish, right? Cried out in a tone of anguish. Daniel, I'm very sorry. And he goes, well, king? No, oh king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths and they have not hurt me because I was found blameless before him and also before you, O king, I have done no wrong. It's an interesting phrase. He broke the rule. The king had thought up, but he had done no wrong. He doesn't want to explain that and I don't know that we necessarily have to. He's basically telling him, this wasn't really a wrong, you made it a wrong. And I had not done anything that should be worthy of that, and I can go into an idea. The other idea says, I, I didn't try to run away. You could come grab me and throw me in the lion's, lion's den. And I wasn't calling my lawyers and saying, no, I've got to appeal this, give me a time for appeal, I have a time for another appeal, 
I don't want to go to the lion's den. No, just put in the lion's den. Because part of what is, and you might not agree with this, but I have a theory of government that you are you are still under the government of God even when you disobey God and he has to judge you and throw you into hell. Nobody gets away from their governments. The true governments that you have are the power to reward you and the power to punish you. Just because sinful man flipped off God does not mean they weren't under his government because he's able to arrest them and throw them in the lion's den. So you're really not, if you ever feel you have to do something against the law because the law is stupid and God requires that you do continuously, the way I live is this way spiritually. If you told me not to pray to my God, I'm sorry, I'm going to pray to my God. What's the price? What's the fine? You're hoping it's going to be a misdemeanor, hoping it's not going to be a felony. But if they send you to prison for the next 15 years for praying to your God, that's what you're going to do. And that means you have not done anything against the king. His rule is still present. You have offered him his rule. Say, so you may punish me, sir. Or you may reward me. But I haven't done anything wrong regarding you. If I said, I'm not going to do what you said, and I'm going to rebel against you, or I'm going to run away, different matter that I'm not doing <coughs> I'm doing wrong to the king. But that's one idea. But it's not important that we get to the bottom of uh, I have done no wrong to the king. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no kind of hurt was found upon him because he had trusted in his God. Because he had trusted in his God. His God whom he had served continuously. His God that Darius the Mede had realized he had served continuously and his God that all the satraps realized he served continuously. And you want people to be able to use your religion against you because you do it continuously. You don't, they don't find out kind of, are you kind of religious? Are you a Mormon? Are you J-Dub or Protestant? What are you? You know, do they know that you serve your God continuously? And because there are laws of unintended consequences that people who try to make Stupid rules so that they can manipulate people into being destroyed or cutting loose a chaos into the system that they don't realize what the... And the king commanded, verse 24, and, all, and, all, and those men who had accused Daniel were brought and cast into the den of lions. They, their children, and their wives... And before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces. It's almost like he wanted to tell you a little more artfully how they went out. That they and their families went out. And they hadn't even bounced once off the ground. Just to prove to you that the lions were not just not hungry with Daniel. Oh, they were hungry all right. Now, it doesn't mean, Daniel was delivered from the lion's den. And sometimes we'd like to be sure, for us to serve our God continuously, that we will always be bailed out. Remember, Christ went to the cross. He wasn't bailed out. He even asked not to have to do it. And he wasn't bailed out. The answer is sometimes no. Our faith 
the God we trust, we trust because of what he will do, not that he will do what we want him to do, but he will do what we want him to do. We, we, we understand that his desires, somewhere in there was a sentence that meant meaning, um, that the idea that I want God, when Christ at the end of his prayer um, in uh, Gethsemane says, not my will, but thine be done. When you say, not my will, but thine be done, you trust God. Because you want his will. You want his will. And his will might be that you die and that you suffer. He didn't promise. He didn't promise to fix your circumstance. Some people think the only way out of, say, fear, say the coronavirus is sweeping the palouse. And here we are with 11 people in the room and somebody starts to cough. How do you deal with the fear? How do you deal with the fear? Some people just have to tell themselves that they have enough mask, they have enough distance, they have enough whatever. They have to solve the problem. But our God, our God is um, great and able when things don't change at all. I love the passage. I have it here on the left-hand side, Daniel 3, earlier in the book. This is the three Jew boys in the fiery furnace, thrown there by Nebuchadnezzar. Or going to be. He says, we're going to throw you in the fiery furnace. And they're saying, if it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not... Be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image which you have set up. Because your continual fulfillment of your religion, you know what you do and what you serve and how you act to serve and please your God. You're always going to do that. It doesn't matter if they win and kill you. A lot of Christians went to the lions in Rome because they wouldn't burn incense to the genius of Caesar. God wasn't obliged to deliver them, because our God is able to deliver. He was able and did deliver Daniel. But that continual service is a trust in God, because he had trusted his God. But so, was it, if he had died, he would have trusted his God. Do you... That's the question. That's uh, Jesus Christ when he asked, if there's any way this cup can pass for me, not my will but thine be done. He trusted the Father that the right thing would be done. That meant a lot of pain and that meant his death. Do you trust him? You say, but how can I trust God? I need to have insurance. I need to be, he has to be I want to collect on promises that bad things will never happen to you. Trusting God means that you're trusting his decision. And Christ trusted God's the Father's decision. Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell on all the earth. Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion men tremble in fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. Now, 
What I'd like you to consider doing, because what we have is the conflict, the satraps and the presidents had thought that their arrangement of life, their making of the rules, their making of, of uh, designing, divine, designing uh, the systems, was the highest system that could be designed. Um, and at some point, when we trust our God and we serve our God continually, we have to admit we are making a degree about a decree in your own life that what you plan to do, the job you take, the school you go to, the the, the profession you in, you're the man you marry, the woman you marry, all these things are who um, you're making decisions. You're making ruling decisions, but you need to make a decree. Darius made a decree to all peoples. <coughs> that they have a certain opinion about God. You have charge over your life. I have charge over this living room. I decide where things go. And then Leslie tells me I get to keep it there. Maybe. Maybe not. We decide where things are when we rule them. We decide what we do with our time. Darius figured out that he had over here made some decisions about running Babylon that had unintended consequences that he didn't even approve of, but he was stuck with them. And now he knows that his decree has to point at God and say, you know, the only kingdom that does not dissipate, go away, is the kingdom of the living God, enduring forever, never be destroyed, dominion, no end. America will die. You will die. Whatever rules you made, it's probably better that you have a decree out there that says, I want everybody who is influenced by my running of my kingdom called Evan or whatever my kingdom is named, that they tremble in fear before the living God. We're trying to, both in the evangelism of the lost or the lives that we lead, we're trying to live continually before our God as we ought to live before him. It's always a challenge to other people. It's always a challenge to us whether we do it. But this is an example of how you can walk through a situation that is dead set against you and you could have died. But your reputation, your reward in heaven, Jesus Christ, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross. We have these things before us because we trust our God. Daniel went into it trusting his God. In this case, he was delivered. That's where we need to be. I would say if you take anything away from this this morning and you could look back at it when you have a chance as he had done previously a God he served continually what would be if you, if you took your life and said okay let's work out what is continual in your life what you have done previously wow just like everybody else. Are we just like everybody else? Or do we serve our God continually? Do we, can we look back at our life and say, this is what I've done previously? Check. Look at yourself. Let's thank God. Dear Lord, we're very grateful. Thank you for this morning. Beautiful day. Thank you for the company of the saints, both in this room and around the country. Put your hand on all these things. In your son's name, amen.